Hi, I'm Dan Pramat, and welcome to Axios Recap. Today is Tuesday, February 3rd. U.S. jobs are up, Jeff Bezos is stepping down, and we're talking to one of the world's top hedge fund managers about the Reddit revolt. Last Saturday, my mother asked me to explain the GameStop situation to her. Then some of my friends who don't invest or generally care about business texted to thank me for the explainer episode we did last Wednesday with Felix Salmon. Several hours later, SNL referenced the matter on two different segments, the ultimate sign that something has caught the American imagination. The easiest way to explain this is that rich hedge fund managers use so-called shorting strategies to bet that a stock's value will fall, not rise. In some cases, those same hedge fund managers actually make public statements or use other techniques to help move the prices downward. Much like Reddit users leverage social media to make GameStop shares go higher. In short, the little guys finally put one over on the big guys. What we want to get today, though, was a view from the hedge fund side of the table. Not just about the class conflicts inherent to the trades, but what they tell us about if, as SNL put it, the stock market no longer works. So for that, we reached out to Ray Dalio, founder of Bridgewater Associates, one of the largest hedge funds in the world. And we are pleased to be joined by Ray now. We are joined now by Ray Dalio. So Ray, you spoke to the Washington Post last week, and one of the things you said was that the broader GameStop trading situation didn't concern you so much from an investing standpoint. You, you thought it kind of reflected that people were understanding market mechanics a little more, but you did say you were concerned about the, quote, view of bringing people down. What did you mean by that? There's one thing which is about the short squeeze and and competition and all of that. Like I can really relate to these guys. I would have been there with them doing the same thing. But there's something else that's much bigger and much more important going on in the country. I looked at statistics going back because I picked it up um, and we know it now. And that is that we have the largest wealth gap, the largest values gap, the largest political gaps since before 1900 by measured by stats. And we want to kill each other. And so there's an environment here, which is, you know, one thing is natural learning, learning how to squeeze shorts and all of that. But I wrote a piece about 18 months ago called why and how capitalism needs to be reformed because the system doesn't work for most of the people. And so it needs to be re-engineered. Otherwise, we're going to have a civil war. I hope that's, that's the big thing. This short squeeze that's happened and the issues around it are just symptomatic, but they're not that important. From your perspective, call it the Reddit traders, if you want to call it that group, the anger they have towards hedge funds, towards short sellers, do you believe that anger is justified based on that gap you were talking about? I can't see it as a divide like that because there's just market mechanics. I don't know the anger. They're going to become one of those, I hope. I grew up to be one of them from being one of them to being uh, the largest hedge fund in the world. So um, it, it's just like it's mechanics. If you have shorts, there is a thing that you can squeeze them. And it's great. People could put little $20 together and put it together and they can have that experience and they could do that. That's a great thing. If they want to hurt other people or something, that's kind of a different thing. Squeezing the shorts is part of the game and you learn. I think it's great. Small guys against the big guys. That's what's made America great because ideas, you can come along and you can do that. And it's great. 
But is it going to mean something else or is it symptomatic of something else? Like we really do want to kill each other. That's what worries me. Well, that's what I want to ask. I mean, I guess this question of does intention matter, right? You know, any any time the shorts get squeezed, somebody gets hurt. When firms or when hedge funds short a stock, it doesn't necessarily hurt the company, but it might. It can hurt the company ultimately if its value gets driven down artificially for folks who are just trying to make a buck. Does the intention really ultimately matter here? I think intentions matter a lot, right? And then there's also mechanics matter a lot. In other words, let's say short selling. Should it exist? Should it not exist? Short selling has existed since the beginning of time, probably. And so to study it in a knowledgeable way so the mechanics is smart for the overall system is important. And then, of course, intentions matter because the person who wants to do damage to somebody for the purpose of doing damage is a problem either side. It's not like a hedge fund, not hedge fund thing. It's like um, who's short and who's long and who's getting squeezed. And that's just part of the game. Speaking of the game, we talk about kind of little guy versus the big guy. It's fair to say, correct, that there was big money on both sides, ultimately, of this GameStop trade. I mean, I know we haven't seen the, the filings yet, so we don't know for sure. When you see how much it went up by that there was institutional money on both sides? Not big money, not real big money. Look, I've been around, I've been doing this for 50 years, and I'm trying to tell you that this will pass. It wasn't big money that was involved, but it was, it was money in terms of that. And, but it was a lot of little guys playing the game against the big, and, uh, some hedge funds. I don't know, actually, of any really big ones that it made a big difference in. But in any case, it's great. What have you learned from the past week? I know you're not involved in these trades, I, don't, I, I believe, and tell me if I'm wrong about that, but what have you learned in the past week? That I think that people have a problem getting caught up on the news and don't have enough perspective of how these things have happened over and over again. I could give you a litany of all of those. This is just another one of those. And so everybody's getting emotional and hyped up and they don't even know what it is. It's a mixture of a short squeeze, the small guys against the big guys, something about fast trading, you know, how, how can the system, something about collateral. These all have been dealt with before. And so like it's a preoccupation with something that's today's news, but can we be smart and reflective about it? Ray, a lot of people feel what we've seen recently has put a spotlight on how stock market investing isn't that different from gambling just in three-piece suits. So really, is being a good stock market investor any different from being just the best player at the poker table? Uh, it's by and large being the smartest guy at the poker table. And then it has to do with like, how do you do it? Are you an investor? Are you a trader? And then it has the rules of the game. It's like Monopoly or any other game that has that rules. You have to know the rules of the game. And within those rules of the game, there are lots of ways to play it to win. You mentioned a couple of times, you know, kind of small guy against the big guys. There obviously, historically, and even today, there are certain things that the small guy can't do unless they have a certain amount of money, so-called accredited investor rules, et cetera. Do you believe that the market should be, for lack of a better term, more democratized? In other words, more people should at least have the ability to do more things in it. Or are you of the mind if you have less money, you might be a more unsophisticated investor and we need to protect you from losing your shirt. There are two different things. Right in the beginning, since I was a kid, I used to caddy. I earned $6 a bag. I'd put get $50 together and I could invest. And I, the small guy can basically invest like the big guy can in terms of picking 
what stocks, what bonds. They have to do research to be a, to get up to that same level, but you can invest proportionately, and that's great. Now, in terms of, let's say, protect the small investor, that's basically about naivete because lots of people are raising money, try to do promotions, and they l- do things, lure people in with stories of this thing or that. And so there should be protections for the little guy. So the little guy can pretty much invest like the big guy can if he knows how. All around the world, ETFs, everything, they're pretty much open to anybody. But the, the little guy should be protected against the, you know, the BS of the big guy. Congress is going to hold hearings both in the House and Senate over all of this in the next couple of weeks. Do you believe there are structural or regulatory problems with the ways the market is currently operating that needs to be fixed or at least tinkered with? Um, not a big thing. There is a little thing. What I'm really worried about generally, what I'm here's the big thing. I don't think that our policymakers generally in Washington understand the big things, things like the production of a lot of debt by the government and the central bank buying that debt and the mechanics of such things, the distribution, how to produce productivity, these big things. And history has many, many lessons. So I think that is this a big thing? It doesn't come close to these other big things. How should wealth be distributed? Why doesn't capitalism achieve the goal of being good for most people? And how do you engineer it that way while increasing productivity and its efficiency? That kind of engineering is the big thing. And I don't think they're paying enough attention to that. Ray Dalio, thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you, Dan. Welcome back. What we're watching today is Amazon, after it shook both the business and tech communities by announcing that Jeff Bezos will step down as CEO later this year, turning the title over to Andy Jassy, who currently runs the company's cloud services unit, AWS. Three things to know. First, Bezos isn't really going anywhere. He is sliding into a newly created position of executive chairman, which means he's still the boss, just with fewer day-to-day responsibilities and maybe a few fewer regulatory headaches. Two, it is a credit to Amazon's discipline that this news didn't leak before the press release. Oh, and also remarkable that the press release itself didn't address the CEO switch until after 344 words about fourth quarter earnings. Three, promoting from AWS reflects how much Amazon has grown from its retail roots, becoming a behemoth that seeks to offer all things to all people and all businesses. Today, we are also watching the U.S. jobs market after ADP reported that private employers added 174,000 new jobs last month. That is a welcome reversal from labor losses in December and also beat analyst estimates. All eyes now are on this Friday when we get the official January jobs report which will double as the final jobs report for the Trump presidency. And finally, we are getting word of a major peanut merger in the works. The Wall Street Journal reports that Kraft Heinz is in talks to sell its planters brand for around $3 billion to Hormel Foods, the maker of Skippy peanut butter. Or put another way, this will be a merger designed to torment school lunchroom proctors. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great national carrot cake day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.